You know, we're in this series, Do You Want to Get Well?, really focusing on healing. I know several people are not here today because they got sickness, right? Anybody been dealing with any sickness the last few weeks? My hand is up. I told you guys uh, uh, last week I was dealing with some... I mean, here's the thing. Three weeks ago, I started this, and that Monday, all of a sudden, I got like this congestion, sinus infection thing, and I thought, oh, it'll be gone. It was still here last Sunday, but thank God... Uh, I made it through, and I thought, oh, I think I'm almost over. And even throughout this week, last night, it's like when you lay down and you got that drainage going, you cough. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm like, seriously, Lord? I'm in the middle of a series on healing, and I'm struggling with this stupid sinus thing that's going on. And uh, sometimes you get in that, and you're like, okay, God, what's going on? Why am I still... I mean, these questions pop up whenever we're... uh, dealing with sickness, isn't it? Lord, why me? Anybody ever ask that one? And uh, why now? Why am I not getting healed? You would get all of those things. And sometimes when you're, you know, maybe you come up for prayer and the person praying for you may, uh, may challenge you to do a step of faith. Maybe you got something wrong with your leg or, or whatever. Hey, listen, stand on it. See if it still hurts. You kind of get, you got to take a step of faith sometimes, right? You got to do that and, and step out. And if you do take it, here's the, here's the implication. If you take it, you're going to be healed. If you don't, then you won't be healed. Is that right? No, let's be honest. Sometimes it doesn't work. All right. Sometimes it doesn't work. So what are we going to do? Does the, is that person wrong? Is God, did God let me down? I mean, here's the thing. Faith steps, I believe are needed. Jesus told the blind man after washing, he said, go wash your eyes. He could have just healed him, right? But he had to, he put the mud on his eyes, told him to go wash his eyes. The story I talked about a couple of weeks ago, the lame man, he told him to stand up, pick up your mat. He could have just laid there on the ground and said, oh, no, I can't walk. I can't do it. No, you got to do it. Take a step of faith, right? The lepers, the 10 lepers that Jesus healed, he told him, he says, you know, go to the priest and show yourself. And the scripture says, as they were going, they were healed. If one of them would have said, uh, I'm not going to the priest, look at my skin. I still got this issue. So steps of faith, I believe, are needed. But I think we have to address these times that what about when I don't get healed? What about when it doesn't happen? Who, who went wrong? And I believe that those are some of the tough questions I want to talk about as we get into this series. And I gave this, uh, uh, this uh, precaution before our first service as well. And I know my, those of those that are related to me, stick your fingers in your ear because I'm going to say something. I don't know everything. That's a shocker, right? And, and let me tell you, whatever I'm sharing today, if you disagree with me, please don't get angry with me. To the best of my ability, I want to stick to God's word. I want to be biblical about it as we address these difficult questions about healing. That's, uh, that's what, and I got six of them that we're going to focus on. So number one, I believe, does miraculous healings actually happen? Yes. Yeah, I love that. I got that from the first service too. Yes, they do. Uh, how many of you know God has not changed? God is still on the throne. God is still healing. He's still delivering. He's still setting people free. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> we have miracles that have happened right here at Freedom Church. Uh, they happen on a regular basis. And, uh, Many of you have uh, given testimony of God doing something in your life, but here's the question that, that some people ask. Why don't we see more miracles here in America? Why aren't we seeing more here? And maybe a better way to ask that is why don't we hear about more miracles? All right? How come I don't hear? Let me just tell you, there's several reasons maybe you're not hearing it. Number one is that we live in a very instant society right? People are on the move. We're getting inundated by information on a regular basis. And so sometimes those things just kind of get lost in all the other things that you hear. Like, oh yeah, oh wait, oh yeah, I remember you telling me that, that God touched you there. And so it can just get washed out with everything else that we have. Another reason is because church services are shorter. Uh, some of you guys remember when church services could be two, two and a half, three hours long. Yeah, how many of you guys remember that? Let me see some hands. Do you remember those? So uh, uh, let me just say this. People don't want to be here that long in general, right? As a result, there's an aspect that used to be a part of church services that really doesn't happen anymore, and it was called testimony time, All right? Some of you guys remember testimony time. You know, I'm just going to be honest here. Sometimes testimony time became a little cringy. 
Some of you guys know what I'm talking about here. If you've never been through a testimony time, uh, you know, the pastor would get up and say, hey, listen, who's got a testimony? Various people would stand up. Sometimes it was an amazing testimony, beautiful. It was inspiring. And you're like, oh, man, that is awesome. But the problem is that some people used it as open mic night. I got the microphone. You had to pull out the hook to get them off the stage, right? It was just like... In order to get them off the stage, they would just go on forever. Other people got up sometimes to use it to target somebody they're annoyed with or they got offended with. or That wasn't a healthy thing right there. Let me just say that. Others, sometimes there was always that one guy or that one lady that would get up and say the same thing every single week. Yeah. Right? And I was like, oh, okay, here she goes. You know, and you could almost like mouth it as she was speaking it. Other times, the testimony would morph into not a testimony, but everything has, has gone wrong in their life, and uh, by the end of their testimony, you were depressed. <laughs> so it's like, uh, so here's the thing. Testimony time, it just got messy. So it doesn't always happen in a church service anymore unless it's like specified, but those stories are still shared. Like in our life groups, we hear testimonies. When you get into those small groups, our men's uh, group, our prayer night on Thursday night, we hear testimonies, and uh, those are good things to be able to hear. But again, people are giving less time in a service. It's like, you know what? I can't be here for two and a half hours, you know? Just give me the cliff note version of what you're preaching, and I'm out of here. That's one reason. Finally, maybe you don't hear about testimonies because you don't share yours. You're not telling other people you. And sometimes we think our miracle was not that big of a deal. Oh, it's small. And it's not like I was rose from the dead. It wasn't like, uh, you know, my blind eyes were open. And so sometimes we minimize or diminish the things that God's doing in our life or even in somebody else's life. So uh, it's not like I got healed of stage four cancer. When I get that, then I'm going to give my testimony. But how many of you know there's really no such thing as a little miracle? If it happens to you, then it's a big deal. So I asked several people to give me some testimonies. Uh, one that I'm going to share that I heard from Wednesday night. Where's Chris at back there in the back? <laughs> he shared this on Wednesday at our Bible study that he had a hurt foot. I mean, you were gone to the doctors and all kinds of... And uh, he's like, hey, listen, my foot's not hurting anymore. Amen. And you know what? God, I believe that God healed that. He said, I thought that I would have to have that the rest of my life. Uh, that's a powerful testimony. But you know what? If that's not you, you're like, eh, yeah, your foot was hurting. Now it's better. Right? It doesn't sound like it's a big deal until it's your foot. Right. right? Until it's you. Uh, Jeff had sent one in, and I'm going to summarize some of this because I can't share everything. Uh, but he fell off a scaffolding uh, approximately 15 feet high to a concrete floor, crushing his skull and his skeleton. And the doctors basically said if you lived, you would have to be taught to walk and eat and live again. But he says, praise the Lord, I went back to work framing in six weeks, and uh, his, his testimony was longer, but it's like, that's a God testimony, Amen. right? Oh, you're going to be in this like forever. Uh, Marilyn, where's she at? Back there in the back. So uh, diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 1970, uh, had treatment for it, and been told that you will have to live with this for the rest of your life. How many of you know if a doctor tells you that, you don't have to, he doesn't get the last word? All right, God gets the last word. Uh, in short, uh, about three years ago, she had her annual checkup, and the doctor reviewed the results and said that everything was clear. She had been healed. Amen. Amen. That's a God thing right there. And uh, Marissa, like, she was here for first service, but she said, just a few weeks ago, a couple from our church prayed for my shoulder injury, which had been causing me sleepless nights, limited movement since November. Despite uh, trying massages, stretches, medication, relief seemed elusive. However, after their prayer at the end of the service three weeks ago, that's how, just how long ago, her shoulder had been completely healed. She goes, I can now exercise my upper body without any discomfort or limitation. And uh, that was James. And she said, thanks, James and Robin, for praying for them. So uh, praise God. For God heal. You know, we are not healers, but God flows through. Amen. And Richard, uh, he's in the back. He said, in 2012, he started feeling pain. I love these testimonies. How many of you like it? If you sent one in, I'm summarizing. So, uh, but started to feel pain in his lower right calf. It intensified to the point that he had to go to his doctor, got an MRI, which revealed there was a tumor wrapped around the main nerve in his leg. 
So they schedule a date. Uh, he said, constantly, I cursed that temp- tumor, told it to die. The Bible study, small group that he went to, they all prayed for them there at the same time. And then one surgeon told him, listen, uh, that got him to pray. He says, if I'm going to take it out, I'm probably going to have to cut a tendon and uh, it's going to leave you with, I think you said, a floppy foot. And uh, nobody wants a floppy foot, <laughs> right? And uh, so he's, he went in, before he went into surgery, he's like, don't cut my nerve, uh, the nerve. And he said, and according to Deborah's wife, uh, while he was in the recovery room, the surgeon came out and talked to her and said, when they, and they cut into his lower calf, they found the tumor was dead and were able just to peel it off the nerve. Amen. Amen. So that, that is awesome. We're, and Randy's back there in the back. So I'm just sharing several of these. I hope you guys are okay with it. Uh, this was a few months before we got here to Freedom Church. The church was in between pastors at the time. But on June 18th, 2018, he said, I had a piece of food lodged in his esophagus, making it unable to, unable to go down uh, or up, resulting in several tests and discovered he had stage two, I can't even say it, esophagus cancer. That'll work, right? <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I'm not a doctor, obviously. Also known, he said, as a silent cancer because it's rarely detected until it's well into stage four. And at the time, he says, we we were between pastors, but there was a strong congregation and prayer team that was there. How many of you know, we pray for people. This isn't just a formality. And he says, one particular Sunday uh, for the board to lay hands, pray for him during that prayer, a sense of uh, confusion and worry was lifted off of him. And he heard, you are healed in my name. And even though he says, I still had to go through chemo, radiation, all of that, he was at peace. And it, like, if you guys know Randy, he can, he can lean towards being a worrier. And uh, he didn't worry at all during that. He had the peace of God over him, got him through. Five years later, he is healed. No medical debt either. God took care of that. Amen. So a uh, couple others I didn't get a chance to get in my notes. They came later, but uh, one was uh, Charlene. Uh, she shared, and she had a medical issue that was pretty serious uh, a few months or a couple, few years ago, two years ago, two years ago. And uh, I mean, it could have been really bad, but God came in, stepped in, healed her, and uh, and and believe that God is still doing that. And the same thing, I put Troy. He didn't give his, but what was it about three years ago? You said he had what? Well, and what was it? It was a first stage Parkinson. And went over and uh, Pat and Sean prayed for him, and he's had no effects of it ever since then. God healed him, amen. And then just a a few weeks ago, uh, Christina shared about how God really healed her back. Most of you guys were here for that. And you're still sleeping without pain, huh? Hallelujah. Because you've had it for how many years? 19. Let me tell you, God still heals. And I wanted to share those. Listen, if I would have had more, I, would have, I know that there are more. Can I, can I do this? If you've ever been healed by God and you know it was God, can you raise your hand? Look at all those hands that are up. Can I tell you God still heals? Amen. Amen. Don't let people, well, you know what? You just kind of naturally, you don't understand your body. No, there are supernatural things that God does. Amen. So uh, here's another question. Why are some people healed and others aren't? Man, that's a great question. Why isn't everybody healed? Can I give you my answer to that? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, the question isn't... Here's the thing. When people ask that question, why isn't everybody healed? How many of you know it's rarely asked in a vacuum? Right? There's an agenda behind it, and it's they have a specific person in their mind like, why wasn't my mom healed? Why wasn't my my spouse healed? Why, Why did this... Why am I not healed? Right? Why am I still struggling with this? And listen, I'm not going to give you an answer that really doesn't help or make it your fault by saying, uh, you just need to have more faith. Right? You just need more faith. Yeah, buck up, you know, get more faith. That doesn't help anybody, does it? Yeah, but here's the thing that, that I want you to, and this is a good verse to memorize out of the uh, Old Testament. Deuteronomy 29, 29. It says, the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may follow all the words of this law. So what is that saying? It's like there are things that God knows that he's not revealing to us, right? I'm not going to have all the answers. I mean, as much as we want all the answers, right? Anybody ever like, why God, why, why this? I mean, I've heard people say things like this. Oh man, when I get to heaven, I got a lot of questions for God. 
Man, I got, and here's my encouragement. Go ahead, write them all down. <laughs> write down all your questions. As you're going through life, just keep that paper with you because when the rapture comes, you know, hopefully you can snatch that and uh, <laughs> you can make it up into heaven and ask God, well, how many of you know if, if that happens, you're not going to have any questions at all? Because right now, we only have limited knowledge. You know, Corinthians says that we see partially. We don't have the full picture, but God does. And God reveals to us the things that we need to know. Uh, even if we think, I need to know, God knows better. What he does reveal to you, there's your responsibility. What he doesn't reveal to you, that's where I just have to trust him. My God, I don't understand it, but Lord, I'm going to trust you anyway. Amen? So, uh, so I do want to give you a few uh, things to consider about why not everybody is healed. And number one is that we do live in a sin-sick world, don't we? Sickness, disease, death, all of these are a result of sin. And let me just say this. It's not necessarily your personal sin, because a lot of time that have, that people have that idea, oh, I did this, so now I'm sick. God is getting me. No, that's not what we're talking about. Romans 5.12 says this, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men because all have sinned. Right? Adam and Eve, you know, they did us a solid there by creating a world that's been ravaged by sin. All right? That's not really a good solid there, but think about it life. Before that, there was no sickness, there was no disease, none of that. But you and I, we still struggle because of sin in general. The result of physical life on this earth, we have sickness, right? We have disease, we have that. And, and so here's the good news that you came to church for today you are going to die. <laughs> it, it is going to happen. I'm going to die, right? Unless the Lord comes in the rapture and we go that way, I'm all right with that too. Anybody object? Like, no, no, I want to, yeah, whatever way, this process of dying is inevitable. And if you think about it, even when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, guess what? He still died. Yeah. Died again. Like, oh, here we go again. <laughs> I don't think he feared it the second time. Like, oh yeah, I've been here, done that. So, uh, <laughs> Wasn't a big deal, but let me just say this. Again, I, I, I kind of touched on it. Just because you're sick, every time you get sick, it doesn't mean that God is punishing you. Amen. You didn't, and, and we struggle with that, do we not? Like, oh man, what did I do? Yeah, I know I should have gone to church last week. If you're watching online, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> God is not punishing you for that. Uh, sickness is not an indication that God is angry with you. Amen. Some of you guys need to hear that. God is not upset with you over that. If you think about in the scripture, Paul, Timothy, Aphrodite, they were missionaries. They were ministers in the early church who struggled with sickness. It was something that happened. Sickness and disease, like I said, it's a result of living in a world that is destroyed by sin. It is. We're not getting into a, a, the condition before Adam and Eve until we get to be with him again. Amen. That'll be a time, no more sickness, no more disease, no more death. All of that stuff will be over with. Amen. So, uh, so that's one of the reasons. The second reason why not everybody's healed. Sometimes we are, we have a very short view of life. Like, like we think that this life is all there is. Isn't that, oh man, I got to live it up. This is all I got. This is not all you have. And sometimes we get this idea, you know, that we're promised healthy times on earth, a certain amount of time that I'm entitled to, that I'll live that all the days of my life, and then one day I'll slowly, you know, go to sleep and wake up in heaven. That would be ideal, right? Healthy all the days of your life, and then, then you go to sleep and wake up in heaven. That would be amazing. But let me just say, we need to always realize this life is temporary, the older I get, the more I realize that. Ecclesiastes says this, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, right? Uh, Hebrews 9.27, just as man is destined to die once and after that face judgment. So here's the thing that we sometimes struggle with. We are told, number one, God can heal. But at the same time, we're told that you're going to experience death. So how do you balance those two? Here, here's what we, you need to understand about death. Death comes to this body because it's temporary. Like when, when your body uh, has deteriorated enough, diseased enough, sick enough, or injured in a way that it won't recover, we're going to die. But guess what? We've got a future in heaven. 
Amen? We got a future in heaven. So have a proper view of life. This is not all there is. Don't live your life like this is all there is because you're going to miss out on the greater things. Amen? Number three, uh, God may be using your situation to further the gospel. And you're like, what? (laughs) How does that happen? Well, in Galatians 4.13, Paul says this, As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Like Paul is traveling. I don't think he had any plans in staying in Galatia. He was just moving on, but then some kind of sickness came. And it's like, you know, who knows how long he was laid up. But he was, the, the Galatian church was able to hear the gospel because of Paul's sickness. God does those things. Here, we got to understand, God ha- sees the big picture in all of our lives, doesn't he? He understands. Uh, he, his way, the scripture says his ways are far above our ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. Listen, that means no matter how much you ponder it or think about it or try to make sense of it, you're never going to understand God's ways because they're way above us. You can't comprehend or know, understand the things that God has. But I, I believe this, that God, what he does in our life, he does it well. And it's always in his time and it's always his way. Even, even if you get to the end of it and you don't understand it, listen, we can trust God. Amen? Right. So with that, I have, a, I have somebody coming up here to share uh, a story, uh, Dina. And uh, come on up. And uh, she shared with me this after our first week I'm preaching this. And it's like, I felt like it was a God moment. And, and I believe that you guys are going to get something. I'm going to grab you a... Uh... Thank you. Morning, church. My name is Dina Allen, and most of you here know me through my son, Ren, um, who is part of Christlike Services. And through Ren, God led me here to freedom. So um, I am a mother of six children. I have three sons, Ren, Tyler, and Drew. And I have three daughters, Riley, Ella, and Lydia. I'm also a grandmother to three beautiful granddaughters, Lillian, Savannah, and Madeline. So as Pastor Scott said, when we started this series, I was like clutching onto my chair going, oh my gosh, I have such a story that is going to be a part of this. Um, And then when he texted me and he asked me um, if I was willing to speak, my first thought on it was, how am I going to fit this into my busy schedule? Then after I got home and I read the text again, my thought then became, you have to tell your story. You have to tell Tyler's story. So on May 9th, 2007, my second son, who was 15 at the time, was riding passenger while his classmate drove them to wrestling practice. The boys did not make it to practice. They were involved in a head-on collision with a semi-truck. Tragically, my son's friend, who was driving, was killed instantly, and my son Tyler was then being life-flighted as an unknown John Doe to the nearest hospital. Receiving that call was a day I will never forget. It was the beginning of my journey of trusting, driving to the hospital and not knowing what condition my son was in because the hospital is very limited with what they share with you over the phone, even if you're the mom. I was crying out my prayers for my son to live long enough for me to hold him one last time, crying out for God's mercy over my son, crying out to heal whatever the broken was in him crying out for God to hold our entire family in his arms. When I arrived at the hospital and I saw my little boy on life support and the wires and the tubes all over him, I knew our lives were forever going to be changed. The next four days were critical for him to wake up. He didn't. He slept for four months. He was in a coma for four months. So much prayer was over my son, begging and pleading for God to heal my son, Tyler has sustained a traumatic brain injury, also known as a TBI. He had other physical injuries as well, but the brain injury was the big doozy of them all. I was in his room all day, all night, waiting, watching, praying. I prayed for God to let me have a dream. Oh, hold on, let me back up there. Praying for, I pray, okay, hold on. Going in his room all night, all day, waiting and watching praying back and forth in my prayer of asking God to save him and then asking God to take him. 
I prayed for God to let me have a dream of being in the backseat of the car so I could see what happened to my son. I had no control and had to trust in the Lord and trust what his plan was for Tyler. Tyler was my son, but first and foremost, he was God's child. He knew him first, and God trusted me to be his mama. God did not allow me to have this dream, but what he did allow me was to hear him and to feel him say, I, I'm not going to give you this dream, that there's no need for that. Tyler eventually slowly woke up, and this is now where we began to actually see the damages, where the damages were. Tyler's brain injury did not paralyze him, but he no longer had balance. He could no longer speak or do anything for himself. We fully cared for him. Over time, he regained the ability to use his right arm and hand, and we got down a pretty good system of communicating. He would often ask me to kill him, and he would ask me why he was still here. He would tell me that he was home, and why couldn't he go back? I would tell Tyler that I had no control of this and that we had to trust in God's plan and timing. I told him that, I was, that he was still here on this earth to do exactly what he was doing. Tyler was telling others about God and what was waiting for all of us. Tyler loved God very much, and he had a strong relationship with him. Tyler never died in his accident. Like, you know, he never had to be resuscitated right at the scene. But everything in me knows that my son was in heaven during, with God during his time of his coma. There were times that when Tyler would be talking with me, that it was actually God talking with me. He would tell me how none of this here is real on this earth and that everything was going to be all right. So I say that to you because if any of you notice, especially in second service, my car, my license plate is an A with four L's, RT. And it says, all right. And that's what's always that reminder of that is we're going to be all right. In those moments and the conversations with Tyler, I felt a peace in the unknown. This is when my belief turned into faith. I began to feel the presence of the Lord more and more as I was leaning into him. My prayers of desperation were turning into praise of blessings us with the accident because of what transformations were happening in my heart and all of those that were touched by Tyler's life. I thanked God for choosing us. I told God that I knew that only he knew most of all what it was like to watch his son suffer, but knew the beauty of what to, was to come of it. I didn't fully give up all the worry, because who really ever can? My biggest worry was who was going to be able to take care of Tyler when I was no longer strong enough to lift him. I'd always tell my other children, never put him in a home, always make sure he's with family. Tyler died on August 11, 2015, three days before his 24th birthday. He lived on this earth with his broken body and brain for eight years, three months, two days. The night of his death was the first night I slept through the entire night. Right. Normally, I would get up multiple times a night to check on him, but I slept because I wasn't supposed to interrupt God's plan. That morning when I went into my son's room and found his lifeless body, I kissed him and I thanked him for staying selflessly as long as he had did. And then I raised my hands and I thanked God for his grace and mercy over Tyler. This again is when I could hear and feel God speaking to me. He told me that Tyler's purpose was well served and how much he loved him. Yeah. He then loudly spoke to me and said, Daughter, not only did I take the suffering away from Tyler, but you are now free of worry. There is no one better to care for my son than his heavenly father. Again, I wished for a dream to see and hear my son saying, Woohoo, I'm coming home. I didn't get it, but I could imagine it, you know? So when people hear our story, um, they will often say to not just me, but our entire family, that they would have never known. I feel this is because I didn't fall into a deep hole of sadness and despair. I learned and grew so much from this blessing. And then through Tyler, God saved me. Amen. Mm. Amen. Oh, we have, we have one more thing here, too. Thank you. This, um, this my, so my son had a Facebook, and I would help him with it. And he posted this three days before he passed on his Facebook. So. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.
Stand yes, I can. Thank you. So she's going to have to uh, take her mom fail this morning. Uh, so uh, we didn't have prayer at the end, but we're going to interrupt this message to pray for your mom before you guys have to leave. And uh, if I can have like Delton. Amen. Amen. You know, we don't want church service to be so productive as far as time. We got this to do. We got this to do that we miss the opportunity to pray for people. Amen. So uh, there will be time for prayer later as well for anyone else, but we'll just say uh, we'll be keeping you in prayer, Nancy. So keep us posted. So uh, just kind of going off of what, what Dina said, uh, let me tell you, in everything that we do, even if it's in a healing or even if it's in a lack of healing, we have to learn to trust God's plan. And we have to have our faith that God knows what he's doing. Uh, let me just say, I've seen people, I've seen kids give their, or grandkids give their life to the Lord at their grandparents' funeral. Amen. Right? Because that testimony, sometimes, you know, some of you guys that are grandparents and your kids are like, or grandkids are going wild. It's like, just because we died doesn't mean our prayers die. Right? I believe that God still uses the scripture. And I don't know how all that works. The scripture says that God keeps those prayers in bowls. And, and uh, it does not like, oh, well, they're dead. I guess empty their bowl out. No, God is still doing a work. And uh, like I said, I don't understand all the dynamics, but I believe that God is still working. So here's a, here's a good way to pray, uh, at least I think for me. God, heal me of whatever it is. If you've got some kind of issue... But Lord, even if you don't, help use the pain to show other people what trust really looks like. Amen? Lord, even if I'm not, use my testimony to help those that I love. And uh, another thing that we have to uh, realize, why isn't everybody healed? Even Jesus didn't heal everybody. All right? He didn't heal everybody. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, I shared the story in John 5 where Lazarus healed a lame man. And I want to go back to that, but I want to emphasize uh, certain parts of that scripture that I really didn't last time. Uh, it starts out, here a great number of disabled people, a lot of them, right? It says blind, lame, paralyzed, all kinds of disabled people. But one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. And when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he'd been in that condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to be well, get well? Notice he didn't talk about anybody else. He, there, it's not like he had tunnel vision and all he could see was the one person. No, it was like that's, all, that's, that's why he was there. And we don't understand it. Why didn't he heal all the rest of them? Why didn't he just go through and start touching hands and blind eyes opening and all these amazing things? Uh, I don't know. But it's interesting because in Matthew eight sixteen it says, When evening came... Many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, to Jesus, and he drove out all the spirits with the word, and he healed what? Yeah. Most of them? No, all of them. He healed all of them. Same thing in Matthew 12, 15. Many followed him, and he healed all the sick. So this is the dilemma that we have. Listen, I don't know why in one situation Jesus healed everybody, and then in another situation he only healed one. And I think about it in my life. I don't know why, I don't know why it is even with prayer. Sometimes people can come up and they can get prayed for and they're healed while other people may come up and they're not healed. Isn't that a great question? I've had God do miraculous healings in my body, uh, but that doesn't mean I'm 100%. I've got other issues that are there. And it's like, okay, God, why did you heal me here, but you didn't heal me here? Why? Why? Those are great questions, right? Anybody got the answer? I don't. Uh, but I do know that God is good, and I know that I can trust his plan. Amen. Amen? In spite of whatever is happening, God is good. Like I said, my prayer, God, let your purposes be done in my life, even if in the times of pain, even when things that I don't understand. And, and you may ask this question, do you think that God would really allow somebody suffering so that somebody else could be saved? Amen. Absolutely. Isn't that the story of the cross? That's exactly what Jesus did. And even with, uh, you know, Dina telling about her son, uh, he was able to tell other people about the gospel. Because we have such a, a wrong view 
uh, of life. So uh, we have that short view like this is all there is. Listen, I want my life to glorify him in life and in death. What did Paul say? You know, if I live, you know, I'm living for Christ. If I die, then I gain. All right. So stop thinking that this life is all there is. God's got, we got to have an eternal mindset. Amen. So uh, here's another question. What can hinder my miracle? Is there anything that could hinder it? And, and what I have found to be true is that usually God is not the one that stands the way in the way of our miracle or healing. Usually it's us. Yeah. All right? Usually it's us. So I want to give you a couple of ideas. And uh, let me just say this first of all. I'm going to give you some things that may hinder your miracle, but it doesn't mean that God still won't heal in spite of that. How many of you know God still does what he wants to do? But here's one thing that I know. Unbelief can hinder our miracle. All right? It can handle our miracle. It says, Jesus said this in, uh, or, well, it says this in Mark 6. It says, he, talking about Jesus, could not do many miracles there except lay his hands on a few people, sick people, and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. All right? It, it was like, we're not healed. And this is the question. Were they not healed because they didn't believe in healing or did they didn't believe in Jesus as the Son of God? And we don't know. The Scripture doesn't teach that. But regardless, people's lack of faith... Uh, beyond our understanding, limits Jesus' ability to perform miracles. We hinder him in that. Uh, a couple, or last week, I talked about Jairus' daughter. How many of you, if you were here, you watched, heard that. Uh, he went into the house, and he says, oh, don't worry, she's not dead, she's asleep. And the scripture says that all the people laughed at him. And I love what he did. He pushed everybody out of there. He's like, all of you mockers, get out of here, because I really believe that a lack of faith and trust really creates an environment where miracles may not take place. Does that make sense? If you have an environment, ah, yeah, no, I don't think that's going to happen. You want to go up for prayer? Nah, oh, I guess so, but nothing's going to. If you're surrounded by a bunch of doubters, it's time to get the doubters out. Amen. There's atmospheres that happen sometimes by our trust and our belief in God. And so that could be one of the things, unbelief. Another one is active, unconfessed sin, all right? Let me just say, we all sin, all right? Surprise, surprise, right? But when I say active, unconfessed, it means that you're living a lifestyle of sin and you know it and you're not willing to give it up, right? It's like, no, this is what I'm doing. James 5, 16 says this, confess your sins to each other, pray for each other so that you may be healed, right? Prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. And let's just be honest. We don't like confessing sin, do we? It's like, let me cover it up. Let me hide it. Let me give an excuse for it. Well, I lost my temper because you did this. <laughs> right? We don't want to talk about it. That's a hard thing for us to admit in our life. But I, realize, I believe that active unconfessed sin will keep you from getting the things that God wants to do in your life. If you can live, here's the thing, if you can live an active, disobedient life from God and then expect God's blessings and healings, how many of you know that's a contradiction, right. right? You can't do that. And so listen, especially, like I said, if you have no intention of changing, no, I'm doing this, but God, I need your healing anyway. God is not Santa Claus, right? <laughs> and listen, we've got to live a life that's honoring to him. If there's an area of your life that you know you're living in disobedience, and I'm not pointing anything out. That, that's not my job. But I want you to understand that could be a hindrance to a miracle or a healing in your life. Amen? Like, like if you're asking God for a miracle, it does make sense to obey Him, right? Like in areas of our sexuality, in areas of our finance, in areas of our habits that we have, we need to say, okay, God, I want to follow after you. That doesn't guarantee your healing, and it doesn't actually negate the fact that God can still do something in your life. But we've got a responsibility. Another uh, thing that can hinder us is sometimes sickness and disease are lifestyle consequences, right? I'm choosing to live in a way that's going to give me poor health. If you, uh, and again, I'm not pointing out anybody's thing, but if you have, uh, get lung cancer and you're smoking your cigarette and you're saying, oh God, I really need a healing from this lung cancer and you just keep on, right? Or if you got diabetes and you're like, oh God, you know, as you're munching down on your three, triple meat, triple cheeseburger and saying, oh God, help me with it and squashed between a donut roll on both sides. <laughs> Oh, Lord, help me overcome this. And you start chewing into that. Listen, 
uh, if we have a lifestyle that is contrary to the word and we know that it's not good, uh, we've got to, maybe we've got to look at ourselves, right? And uh, do something. Another reason, uh, unforgiveness or unresolved conflict. Uh, God wants unity in his body, doesn't he? Amen. And conflict happens. I mean, let's just say it happens. Somebody said something, somebody did something, whether intentional or unintentional. Uh, all of that stuff happens. It happens in your family, happens in church, happens at your work, happens while you're driving down the road, all right? All of that, that's just, that's just people being people, right? We sometimes get upset at people. Scripture says this in Matthew uh, 18. If your brother sins against you, go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you've won your brother. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. Trying to communicate is like, listen, you got to get, you got to fix your relationships. You can't just pretend that everything's okay when everything's not okay. I, I know the temptation to sweep it under the rug. Uh, that doesn't work. Anybody ever try that? Doesn't work, does it? Eventually, you're going to trip over that rug, am I right? You sweep enough under there. So Jesus is telling this, and he doesn't pause, but he goes right into verse 18, and he says, I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I tell you that if two or three of you agree about anything you ask for, that's prayer, isn't it? He says, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. So uh, it's interesting, and he says... uh, Let me just finish it out. Where there are two or three come together in my name, there I am in the midst of you. Uh, Let me correct a little usage. Sometimes we use this phrase right here. Uh, Man, there's not very many people here. Well, the scripture says where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there. Uh, Can I tell you, if you're in this room all by yourself, God is still here with you. You don't need another person. Man, I need somebody else. I need somebody else. Uh, You can, that's not what this verse is talking about. It's talking about living in unity. Yeah, it's talking about having, uh, let me tell you, if you're in a church where there's a lot of contention that's going on, let me just say that you're not going to feel a lot of the presence of the Lord, right? If there's fighting and bickering and all of that stuff going on, but if you have unity, doesn't mean uniformity. We don't all act the same. That's not what God's looking for. But if we can be of one mind, one purpose, then God's presence is here. So like I said, let me go back. There's a reason that's talking about that with relationship. So if you're like, hey, listen, I've been praying for this, but you've got this issue over here with this individual and you're not willing to deal with it, maybe, just maybe, God is saying, you need to go deal with that, and then you're going to see God begin to open up other doors. Amen? All right, number four question. Uh, Can God use others in our healing? And, And when I mean others, I'm talking about like the medical profession, because let's be honest, we've all probably heard, seen, and if this is you, I'm sorry, but I'm about to step on your toe, uh, decline medical treatment because they say, if God wants to heal me, he'll heal me. All right, if God wants to do it, and they kind of have this idea that take, going to doctors and taking medication is a lack of faith. And, and like, like if you're really trusting God, you won't need medicine. And how many of you realize that there was a time when uh, eyeglasses were first invented that the church was opposed to those? They called them devil eyes. You don't need that thing. You need to trust God uh, with, with that. And uh, that's crazy, isn't it? Otherwise, I'd be like, hey, listen, I see less of you guys. You're kind of blurring together. So uh, it's flawed logic, and I'll show you why, because I believe in healing. But I know at the same time, sometimes God uses doctors and medicine in the midst of that. Look at what Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.2. He says, stop drinking only water and use a little wine because of your stomach and your frequent illness. So this is not like a chance to go out and party. Oh, my stomach. I better go have a party, you know. That's not what he's talking about. You know, we, we read that and we drink water now that's very pure. Am I right? It doesn't have, you know, bacteria and all of that stuff. Back then, they didn't have filtration like we do right now. And so sometimes those bacteria, those things that whatever was in the water swimming around would make people sick. And so if you drank a little bit of wine, the alcohol in it would kill that bacteria so that you could be healthy. So that's, this is basically Paul giving him a doctor's prescription. Hey, listen, just drink a little bit of that. Let it kill that illness on the inside. Uh, on top of that, think about Paul's travel companions. One of his companions was Luke that he called his beloved physician. 
And it's like, I, I think about how good God was because Paul got stoned a lot. He got, and I'm, I'm talking about with hit with rocks. <laughs> Sorry. I guess we got to change that. Instead of saying stoning, he got hit with rocks a lot, beatings, uh, left out in sea and all of that. Uh, but look what God did. He provided his own personal physician to travel with him. All right, he was right there with him. And I believe that God can use doctors. Sorry. Got to get my mind off of that. God can use doctors, medicine, exercise, good eating habits, nutrition. He can use all of that stuff. All right? And, uh, and I shared this. Uh, I was thankful for doctors this week because uh, Heather and Joshua's daughter, is that who you're holding right there? Uh, she had been trouble keeping things down, and she ended up taking her to the doctor, and the doctor found out she had an inflamed esophagus. And it's like, that's not something you can see from the outside. So I'm thankful for doctors that, that, that do help in those areas. We don't have to be afraid of them, amen? It's not a lack of faith. Uh, number five, how do you restore your faith after disappointment? And I want to expound on that disappointment because... This is probably one of the hardest things that you and I have to face is when you've prayed so hard for a loved one and in spite of that, they still died, yeah. right? And still, in spite of that, they still passed away. Let's be honest, this is tough. If you've been through that, and I think most of us have at one time or another, it's difficult to lose someone you love, especially when they're really close and, you know, the prayers that are offered are desperate. And it's like, Lord, heal them. I need them here. I need them here. But, but realize that the grief that you're facing, it's not for them. It's you. Right? The scripture says that we don't grieve like those who have no hope. But the reality is that grief is very real. Doesn't mean it's easy. And uh, we understand them. They're not in pain anymore. Right? They're not struggling anymore. We're, we're definitely going to miss them. But how many of you know they're not up in heaven thinking, oh, God, this is nice up here not being in pain and uh, you know, being free of all of this, but I really want to go back. Right? Nobody wants to go back. It's like, why? Why would you want to go back unless God, you know, I don't know if Lazarus had an argument with God on that, like, Jesus is calling you, uh, but I like it here. <laughs> you know? This is a little bit better, but he, he did end up going back. And, uh, and I think when we go through those things, can I tell you, uh, what doesn't honor those that pass away is if you lose your faith in the midst of that. And I can't tell you over the years, people, I don't serve God anymore. I don't think I prayed for my wife, my grandma, my mom, my son, whoever, and they didn't get healed. So I'm walking away. How many of you know, that's not what, that's not, that doesn't honor them. And that's not what God, God is going to walk. I mean, you know, Dina being here sharing that, and I'm sure Ren went through a lot of that too. It's like, there's all kinds of emotions that you have to go through. But I want to tell you, Jesus said, or in Psalms 23, you know, he will be with us as we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. That means that, yes, sometimes we still got to walk through it, but we know that God is there. Don't run in desperation. We have to remember life is temporary. But guess what? We get to live again. We get to live again. That's why heaven is called our blessed hope. That's where we get hope beyond this life. So here's my challenge to you. We've got to have faith, but at the same time, we have to have trust. How many of you know they go hand in hand? Here's, a, here's my little breakdown of it. Faith is confidence in God's ability. Does anybody doubt God's ability? No, but trust is different. It is confidence in God's agenda. Lord, I know what you're doing. We have faith that God is able exceedingly abundantly more than we ask or imagine. We, we have faith in that, but we trust that he knows what's right and he knows what's best. Amen. We have faith that God will deliver us from our affliction. But at the same time, we have to trust, even as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Amen. Lord, I trust you in that. We have faith that this earthly body is going to be healed, but we trust that one day we're going to be perfected in heaven. Amen. I already know what my perfected body is going to look like. I got big biceps and, you know, oh, I'm just kidding. We have faith that hard times will end, but at the same time, we trust that God is going to see us through it. Amen. We have faith that God is able and trust to know that he is also dependable. We can count on faith that we are healed, but trust that one day we're going to look together and we'll all be in heaven together. Amen. All of us here one day, we're going to leave this world behind. 
right? No more presidential elections. <laughs> no more filling up your car and it costs you to take out a second mortgage to fill up your car with gas, right? All of that stuff we get to leave behind, amen? amen? And here's my challenge to you. When your faith is low, you can still choose to trust, yeah. right? When you're struggling, it's like, okay, God, man, I'm just really struggling with this, but I'm going to trust you anyway. I'm going to hang on. That's all I can do. Choose to trust God. And listen, I'm sharing this. I don't want to devalue grief for people that have lost people because it really is devastating. And I think it's kind of a cop-out sometime just to come up and say, well, they received their healing in heaven. They got their healing in heaven because I don't really actually think that's correct. I believe they didn't receive their healing in heaven. I believe that they arrived in heaven healed. Amen. Amen. It's like you left this diseased body, broken body, whatever it is, and before you got to heaven, you were already 100%. Amen? Amen. Amen. So last question, in the, uh, if we may not receive our healing on this side of heaven, why even bother asking God? Why would I even do that? Well, the short answer is the Bible tells us to. All right, that's the short answer. Your, your healing uh, is a testimony. Just as if God can use whatever your struggle is, God uses your healing as a testimony. And it's encouraging. James chapter 5, I ended last week with this one. If any of you are sick, he should call the elders of the church to pray over him. Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person and the Lord will raise him up. Listen, I believe by coming to him with our needs... What we're doing is saying, Lord, you're my source, right? You're my source. You're trustworthy. God loves you. Do you realize that? God doesn't heal you because he has to. He doesn't heal you because he's obligated in any way. The reason he heals us is because he loves us. I didn't do enough for any kind of a healing. Uh, I didn't act good enough. I mean, none of my healing that God has given in my life is because I qualified for it. It's only because of his love for us. And I think when we begin to understand that, it's like, Lord, thank you for your love. Thank you for your love. And uh, you know, we're going to take a little bit of time here and pray. So if you do need a touch, we've done this every week. Uh, we got some of our prayer team, if you guys can come up. Because here's, here's the thing. Listen, God can heal you driving in your car. You don't even have to come up. God can heal you while you're on a walk in the forest somewhere, walking on the beach. But I believe that as you bring your request to God in a corporate setting like this, that the effect are multiplied. Because uh, we, we live in a faith community, do we not? As other people are able to participate in your miracle. Amen? So if you need a touch, can I have everybody stand? If you can. And, uh, and as you're coming up, I'm just going When we get ready to dismiss... Uh, we are going to have about a 10-minute break in between in order to get ready for our business meeting. Listen, members, we need to stay. But even if you're not a member, I want to tell you, you are welcome to be a part of what's going on. And you can hear and you can listen uh, because we're going to be sharing some important stuff, I think. So you're welcome to stay. Uh, that's all I'm going to say about that. So if you need prayer, I'm going to have you come up.